North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Good morning, Damien. Morning, Gary. How you doing? Very well. One thing I thought of, um, this is a chance that way, way down the track, people could be listening to these podcasts, you know, way down the track, like years from now. So I <laughs> wanted to... The year is 2022. What do you reckon? Oh, you'd make great voiceover guy. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just thought, because you don't know, there might be 10, 15, 20 years. And so with in North Otago, like the rest of the world, we've come through the COVID pandemic and that's shaking things up. And that kind of led also to what we're doing now, keeping some of the history and uh, recording the things. So if you are listening in many years, Gary will be in, which rest home is you going to get checked into? I'll be in my um, 13th term as mayor. 13th term as mayor. Maybe, maybe not, maybe no, not. No, no, no. God, yeah, no. He'll, be up at I, he'll be at Iona, so go visit him and tell him you love his podcast. Yeah. yeah. No. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. So, you know, because you'll be in the room next to me, but anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got another... Great uh, person here today to, to talk Fantastic to. Fantastic person today. Really yeah. looking forward to interviewing him. Um, as a young boy growing up, he had a bike shop. You know what I mean? <laughs> and his name was with the bike shop. Yes. So it was always exciting. I didn't know him growing up, you mm. know. Um, knew his voice, but um, he had a bike shop. So that's so... Uh, a motorbike shop. A motorbike shop, Yeah. yeah. Sorry, did I just say push bike? No, no, no just you just bike. said bike. Okay, yeah, well, just yeah, sorry. Clarifying. Uh, let me introduce today then, Rick Self. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, guys. It's lovely to be here on this yeah. sunny day. Yeah. In 2022. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so when your great, 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 great grandchildren, you know, pick this out of the archive and listen to it, um, yeah, be able to hear your voice and yeah. uh, hear your stories. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure what they'll say, but <laughs> yeah. <never mind. laughs> But um, yeah, let's let's start at the start though. Uh, first up, question is, uh, you know, were you born in Omaru or when did you move here? I no, I was born and bred in Omaru, Gary, and and born up the hill in July 1947. We grew up in Avon Street, uh, 13 Avon Street, and. Um, I was the fifth of five children. There was a, two boys and two other girls, mum and dad. Dad was a, a watchmaker by trade originally, um, where he did his time. And uh, during the war, that shop closed down, so then went and worked at Robinson's Hardware, which morphed into Mitre 10 um, and spent the rest of his life there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, a great... Great life growing up in, in Avon Street. Um, we had the Cape and we had the Harbour and King George's Park and all those things. So, no, a lot of fun. Great playground. Of, it was, yeah. very much so, very much so. Yes. So what, were you at uh, South School? South School. Yep. I still call it South School. And <laughs> I, get to, I get told off quite regularly for calling it, and I always yep. will call it South School. Yep. Um, yeah, went through there. Uh, uh, 
yeah, school was, looking back on it, school was just a bit of, to have some fun and, and so-called eat my lunch, um, <laughs> although I had to go home with fifth there. But, yeah, I think South School, the, the, the time that I really look back on in South School would be Standard 4, where I had a teacher called Basil Jameson, uh, who was a lovely, lovely man. And he seemed to be one of those teachers that would guide you. Right. And uh, and I, I actually ended up by selling him a motorbike <laughs> quite a lot of years later, and I was very proud of that. Did he get a good discount? Or <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't really remember. Uh, but no, a lovely, quiet man. But he, he, you just wanted to... You wanted to impress him, and you wanted mm. to work hard because of him. And yeah. uh, um, you know, no, that was that was my time. That's yeah. about really the only time that I do remember about South School, actually. Uh, but no, it was good. It was good. So, yeah. so growing up in the neighbourhood, there would have been a lot of other kids, um, all those post-war babies and so on, yes. I suppose. But you yes. know, the your big big class um, at, at school, um, a lot of kids. Yes. Yeah, at that stage. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of um, playing with the, the neighbours' kids and so yes, on out exactly, in, the, exactly. in, the, in the street back when you could. Yes, yeah, yeah. you did, and, and that's very fair comment. We had a, a pumping station in those days that pumped the water up the up Tyne Street to the reservoir, and it was a big shed mm. on the corner of Avon and, and Tyne Street there. Oh, and wow. And we used to play tennis against it. <laughs> uh, and that was often the day. I, I got my backhand very sorted because if you didn't get your backhand sorted, the ball went down Tyne Street. Oh. <laughs> so you learned very early on to make sure your backhand was all right. But, yeah, you know, in, in the times that we had to stop for a car, either coming along the street or up Tyne Street was seemed to be very few mm. uh, compared with today. And, yeah. and yeah, there was a lot of times there. But um, yeah. And as I say, yeah, we built huts up in the Cape and wrecked other people's huts and yeah. and <laughs> went pine coning and uh, down the harbour. I I think one of my other lovely hot school holidays was spent down the harbour with the guys on the, on the wharf, not the wharfies that unloaded the boats, but the guys that tied the boats up. And, um, you know, you just spent the time with them and they would take you out in a rowboat across to the Breakwater Lighthouse and things like that that you could not do today yeah. um, as a kid. And, and and they just, you know, they didn't um, look down at you. They just, oh, you know, I don't know why they put up with me sometimes, but they did. And there was a lot of fun times down there. And you could walk, walk along the wharf and say good day to those guys and, and go into the uh, the big shed that's still there. Mm. I'd love to go and have a look at that inside that big shed again, where they did the ropes up and that sort of thing. Yeah, were there a lot more boats in those days coming oh, the and going? Boats coming in and Damien coming in and out. Yeah, uh, not on a daily basis, but certainly on a couple of couple of week. Yeah. would come in. We we would have the big ones would be, would carry your carry away wheat. Yeah. Um, and they they were the Trans Tasman ones, but the home boats were in and out. On a weekly basis, yeah. that carried freight all over the place. Yeah. So yes, it was quite a, a quite a thing to watch a boat come in and yeah, do it circle know. around and and the and the other thing that you could do, um, which I also find amazing on today's thing, when the boats left to go out the harbour, they had that sharp left hand turn. Well, they used to pull them round on a rope. They held the rope on the on the 
front of the bow of the boat yeah. and it pulled that boat around. Well, I could be within a metre of that rope yeah. um, <laughs> watching it going around there yeah. as the guys did it. Um, you know, you would be told to get out of it <laughs> real quick nowadays and allowed nowhere. So it was, yeah, it were fun times, fun mm. times, that's for sure. Back in the day, you could also drive right out on the um, breakwater too. You remember that? Yes. Uh, imagine doing that nowadays. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't think we ever drove out there, but yeah. it was always a uh, out at the end of the breakwater lots and lots of times, mm. and it was often a... Um, a bit of a dare if there was a bit of water coming over. Yeah. Um, can we get to the end of the breakwater and not get wet uh, and back again, sort of thing? So, yeah. <laughs> Graves Track was another one. Yeah. That yeah. was that was there all the time, and it was always a a fun thing to do on a Saturday or Sunday to get there right round to Bushy Beach. Yeah. You could only do it at low tide. Yep. But you could do it. Um, so that was that was the thing. So. I'm showing my age as well. I remember Graves Track. We used to yes. walk that quite regularly with yeah. scouts and cubs and things like that. So yeah, you are, you are quite old. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Gary. <laughs> um, so you went on to intermediate, then high school. No, no, no we were still so, we're still intermediate. Yeah. We're still junior high, as yeah. we called it. Yeah, Waitaki. So we went from South School to Waitaki Boys. Yeah. Uh, and what we call the f- first form, yeah. uh, form one, um, I still struggle to figure out the years compared with the form. So I'm going to talk about forms. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. had form one and two there. And I think it was the year that I went into third form that Intermediate opened. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if I, It was either the third or fourth form. It certainly opened while I was still at Waitaki. Do you, um, do you remember how many kids were at Waitaki when you started? 800 and something. Right. And about 400 boarders. Yeah, four hundred of them were borders. Borders, yes, lots oh. and lots of borders. Yeah, back yeah. in the day when there were six houses, and yes, there were, there were relatively even numbers in each. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, there were the how quite where they fitted all in the hall uh, for assembly. <laughs> I, I'm not quite sure when I go out there now and and see the hall pretty well full. Yeah. All oh, these much more active young people who are yeah. just a bit Squeeze narrower. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no, it was a good big role because I think mm. the role's only 400-odd total now, yep. isn't it? About yes. that, yep. yeah. Yeah, I was talking to Daryl the other day and I think he said they've got less than 100 borders. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yes. about 70, I think, yeah. something like that. So yeah, it's um, it yeah, I mean, just families are smaller is one big part of the problem. Mm. And, um, well, all the schools struggle unless there's population growth, you know, of people moving in, and, mm. and we've got a wee bit of that, but uh, yeah, not enough to to keep the school rolled mm. up where they were. Mm. But mm. Um, yeah, so did you enjoy your time at Waitaki Boys? Um, yes, I did, except to say, Gary, that I was. Looking back on it now, and I've 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 written a book, and I've so I've had to think about a lot of these things to to write it down. Um, I was very lazy, very lazy, and and if I could take the easy road out, um, I I did um, very much so. So I, while you had the odd teacher that you so called respected, and you and you, I think you did learn a bit. Most of the time was just fun, but I don't remember. I do remember enjoying myself at Waitaki, um, and I do remember the day that I left um, having a walk around um, and going for a walk around the place thinking to myself, well, this is the last time you're going to see this, take it in. Yeah. Um, so I, I must have enjoyed it to do that. I know friends that couldn't wait to get out of the place, but no, no. I did. Um, and it was 
yeah, it was it was it was good value. Sport wise, it was good. A um, couple of things that happened that you know, uh, but a lot of it was my fault, totally my fault because I just didn't didn't care or tried to take the easy road out and. And quite where I've ended up, I'm quite surprised sometimes that uh, <laughs> this certainly wasn't due to an education. <laughs> so how, how long did you stay there? Till the end of the fifth. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, which so, is which year. was fairly common. So, yes, it was. Yeah. So year eleven. Year eleven is yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I keep. Well, yeah. I keep kind of work that out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you mentioned the sport. Did you keep up with the tennis and that backhand serve you well, or did no. you take up other sport? <laughs> no cricket and cricket. Rugby, I didn't play. I did play one season of rugby for Waitaki, but played um, my rugby uh, for Blues, for yep. Excelsior, uh, mainly because a couple of friends who had left school went and played for Blues, so I just trundled along. And that was in the fourth and fifth form I played there. But cricket I played for school, and that was basically it. And, and those, that, yeah, tennis was certainly available, yep. but I don't know why I didn't take it up. Um, and... Uh, but there would only be tennis and cricket in the summer, and then soccer, football was just starting at Waitaki when I was there, yeah. um, and so they really up until then they only had hockey and rugby. So mm. you didn't have much of anything like the choice that you have today. Um, I got into squash a wee bit later on, and you you didn't couldn't play that at Waitaki, or you no. couldn't even play for a Waitaki team. But mm. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's amazing the options they have nowadays. Oh, it There's is everything. Yes, yeah, yeah. And your grandchildren are probably taking part in a number of those other different. Oh yes, sports. they have. Yes, you know, yes. Keep yes. seeing their names popping yes. up on <laughs> various yeah. things: mountain biking and so on. Well, mountain biking and 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 basketball in particular. A couple yeah. of them and. We Quinn is doing very well in, ba- in basketball, even though Granddad will say that and push him yeah. a little bit. Um, and and Taz has done very well in his basketball. Basketball is a game that I wished I'd had to go at because yeah. I love going and watching the kids. And uh, it was it was played at um, the drill hall years yeah. ago, um, and so it was available, but not as a school sport. But yeah, basketball is something that I really mm. often every time I go and watch it. I think, oh, why didn't you play this? It yeah. looks good fun. Mm. Yeah. Um, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some of those grandchildren have got the height and the long limbs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we can't can't miss out. You've got a granddaughter that's got a lot of potential in rowing a netball as well. She's yes. very sharp at what she yeah, does. My so. darling wee Isla, and I yeah, can say she, that she yeah. is my favourite <laughs> granddaughter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and when she listens to this, I can just see the look on her yeah. face. Yeah. <laughs> yes, my because we've only got one granddaughter. Well. Yeah. <laughs> so she's my favourite. Yeah. Yes, and she's taken up rowing this year. Yeah. She's uh, yeah, and seems to be talking to her on Sunday and she's yeah really enjoying it yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. Uh, good fun mm. I think sport is just so so important mm. um, I'll just say to Damien before Gary I see on the TV last night the number of people number of kids in New Zealand that are not playing sport mm. um, is huge yeah it was yeah, it's quite numbers, unbelievable it's, yeah, yeah it was horrendously high yeah for more for girls than boys, but there wasn't a great deal of difference, and that really surprises me. Um, it's sad, actually. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sport was the old saying: you know, kids in sport stay out of court. Absolutely, um, you know, yes. keeps them busy. It, yes, it, but it develops a whole lot of other skills too. Oh, it so does. there's importance around that. And it, you know, there are some that just aren't suited to sports. But yeah, um, oh yes, yeah. But know. I didn't think the percentage would be no, that high. No, 
it's sure. um, yeah. it's, can, it's about opportunity. I can think of a few exceptions to your rule, but I better not mention them on on air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay, if you just want to make note of no, that, no. Edit, you know, bad joke. Um. No, it wasn't a joke. I'm serious. Some guys that played football with ended up uh, in court, but anyway. <laughs> Who was that? Andy Martin, Glenn <laughs> Curry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, they don't listen to the podcast anyway. So, yeah. Um, anyway, well, let's carry on. So. Um, you left school. Did you have apprenticeship, a job, or uh, something you wanted to do? Or? When I left school, and I and I find this also quite amusing that um, when I left school, I had the option of three apprenticeships that I could have gone to, um, which is once again a bit different today. I, I really wanted to be a motor mechanic, um, and I ended up. I but a, a builder friend of dad's rang him and said, I believe your boy's leaving school. Does he want a job? And an electrician friend of dad's came into Robertson's Hardware and said to him, does he want a job? But I ended up at Richard's Motors um, on a motor mechanic apprenticeship. Richard's is where um, the Yamaha shop is at the mm-hmm. moment, just in behind Kiwi Bank uh, there. They were the Chrysler agents. And uh, But that only lasted three months because... Um, Mr Richards didn't take fancy to me. Um, I'm not quite sure why. Um, but so then I moved on after that. I went to a farm machinery firm at, in Tyne Street called McEwen's Machinery. And that was absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, the, the, there was, we had dealt with the farmers and that really gave me my grounding of dealing with farmers um, and loved it. There were some great guys there. I've got to mention John Dorsey because he was the mechanic and I was his boy. And John was such a, I, I still, I almost brings a tear to my eye as to what he taught me and mm. and, and what he gave me for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, thank you, John. It really, really was. The, the, the very first day I arrived there, of course, you arrive at all five to eight and make sure you're there early and, and I was standing outside the door. It was in the middle of <coughs> was May. And what happened at McEwen's, because the winter, they went very busy. The summer harvest time and was the busy time. So they arrived about 5, 10 past 8. And Brian, the boss, said to me, we can't have you standing outside making us look idiots. Here's the key. Go up to Martin's and get a key cut for yourself. So the very first hour that I was there, I had a key to the place. Um, but it gave you that, and I think that's what they did. They gave you that responsibility yeah. and you took it on board and and it formed you. Yeah. Um, and that's what I thank them for, mm. um, you know. So you think you learnt well that way, a little oh, bit of responsibility was what you needed to... Ex- yeah. Damien, exactly. And when I think back on that and I think back on the teachers that taught you something... They were the ones that, yeah. like Basil, yeah. they they guided you, and and uh, I, I find it quite hard to explain, but they did. Yeah. They gave you some responsibility, mm. didn't yell and scream at you, yeah. um, gave you some guidance, and you took it away. You went, mm. um, and and McEwen's was like that. Um, that was for sure. Um, and you know, you, and, and you were left to your own devices a lot. A lot of the times. In the busy summer type period, you you would be out fixing something on a farm, and and uh, if it didn't 
someone didn't come along to pick you up because they were busy somewhere else. It could be 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night before you got home, but that's what you did. It wasn't a problem, um, you know, and you just did it. Yeah. Uh, but during the winter, a lot of times I, I would be told to go and fix my motorbike on during the day because there was nothing left to do and you just did it so you mm. you gave that you got taught that give and take yeah if the work's there get in stuck in do it and there are other times that you'll get paid back yeah. um, that's for sure so yeah. it was so that sort of guidance and and how how people how um the salesmen talk to farmers and talk to other people you just yeah, it just gave you that once again that guidance mm. so no it was good Unfortunately, after just on three and a half years, they closed the branch down, um, and that was in '67. There'd been a bad drought um, in in North Otago from about '65, '66, and and that closed them down. I was still had about a year, eighteen months of my apprenticeship to go, so um, they found me a job at Knights Motors, the Ford garage. So. So I was one of the very few people that had three jobs for an apprenticeship because mm. once you took on an apprenticeship, you stayed there. And generally, apprenticeship lasted five years. Um, but what it did to me is gave me a great grounding on lots of other things. I, I remember going to Knights Motors and not having a clue about a lot of things because I hadn't worked on them mm. um, and uh, and that sort of thing. So it gave you a big grounding on a, a bit of knowledge <laughs> A bit yeah. of knowledge on a whole lot of subjects. And and dealing with a range of people and so on. I mean, yes. those things are very helpful. That's certainly yes. what I've found in my life, um, mm. you know, looking at how other people work and yeah. being exposed to a variety. Just watching and learning. See, seeing what works, what yes. doesn't work. Yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think that's, yeah, it's those sort of things that... Mm. Yeah, it made a difference. So they set you up well for going into business yourself? Well, after that, no, I didn't quite get to business before that. When I came out of my time, and, and one of the things I come back to is is losing the job at Richards Motors and going to McEwen's. We used to, at McEwen's, um, I, I often think where I would have gone, what path I would have gone if I'd stayed at Richards because it, I mm. wouldn't have met one guy that really set me up for the future too. When I was at McEwen's, we would go to Timaru a lot because the headers and the bailers would come into Port Timaru and we'd have to go up there and assemble them and bring them back to Omaru. And there was a guy called Mac Trulford who worked for the Timaru branch and he was in the motorcycle club in Timaru, so we got to know each other very, very well. Then when Timaru closed at the same time as Omaru, Mac set up his own shop um, with motorbikes and all mowers and chainsaws and uh, then he offered me a job. So when I came out of my, well, about two or three months after I came out of my time at, at um, Knights Motors, I went and worked for, went to Timaru and, uh, and worked for Mac. And that was another, Mac was another guy, like, very much like John, who guided you and taught you and um, you just watched and learned. And so I, that was where I really got my grounding of, the shop that, as we know today. Mm. Um, so we spent, um, just after I went to Timaru, we got married. I'd met this girl from the, out the North End, from Witham Street, as I keep <laughs> reminding her, and I lived up the South Hill, <laughs> um, and called Jan, Jan Dick. Um, so we got married in 69, and we lived in Timaru for three years. Oh, 
Then then I came back to Omaru because I'd got offered a job um, that turned into a partnership with Colin Klein. And Colin had a a shop out the North End that he only opened on a Friday night, basically. Um, He just rented the shop and just sold a few bikes. So I opened it full time um, in 72, 1st of April 72. <laughs> April Fool's Day, yeah. I started. But that's interesting. So, did you see an opportunity there, or did he see something in you and thinking to get the business going? How did that partnership go? Damien, out? I had been down here because I wanted to come back home. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to set up, I wanted to have a go, basically. Yeah. Uh, I had this plan of. Um, that I wanted to do what Mac had done in Timaru, and and bikes were were the thing. Motorbikes were the thing that I loved, and and wanted to get into racing, and wanted to do this, and just love motorbikes. Um, so I came. We came down here one. I think it was Queen's birthday weekend, and we. I spent the whole Monday um, just driving around looking for a building to start yeah. open myself, and I found the building out the road um, and then ran into Colin and he said, well, we should do something together. Um, so we came down and we formed the company um, and uh, he uh, basically left me to it. Um, and he was a great guiding light in the background at the same time, very practical man. Um, unfortunately, it didn't, like a lot of partnerships, didn't last, uh, lasted 18 months, two years. So we, we bought them out, um, and quite how that had happened is another, another story because we'd come back from Timaru and we'd bought our house in, in Greta Street, paid $9,000, $9,250 for this house in Greta Street. I'll and give you 10 grand We had one of the things that worked out very, very well for us is Jan's dad had said to us when we got married, what you got to do is save one person's wages, mm-hmm. save Jan's wages. Yep. Um, I was on reasonably good money with Mac, pretty good money, so it didn't matter. So Because he said, one day you're going to have children and you're going to have to live off one wage. So it was the best bit of advice anyone could ever give, and we did. Um, so we came back and... We had $3,000, Jan had $3,000, I shouldn't say we, (laughs) um, to put down as a deposit, um, which looking on today's terms was pretty pretty startling. Um, So that was all right. So then a couple of years later came the time to buy Colin out and the price was, to me, was um, not out of the question, but how the heck we would do it. And Jan's dad said... On Monday, you're going to see Richard Rowley, who was a lawyer, um, and we'll see what we can do. Knowing what I know now, I'm sure Alf had something in the background to do with all this, but I didn't know it at the time. But anyway, Richard just said to me, oh, we could borrow some money against your house because the house prices had gone through the roof like we have done in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden we were borrowing $20,000 against the house we'd paid $9,000 for. Quite how that happened, I don't know. Mm. But I know that when we shifted out of Timaru, the house prices were going silly, and that hadn't quite happened at Omru, so we bought at the lowest of the low. 
and they just went away after that. Great time. Um, and it's, a, it's another thing that I keep saying to myself, boy, have you fallen on your feet yeah. um, so many times through my life? And that was just another one. So we ended up by financing it through that. And, and yeah, the rest of they say is history. Away we went. <laughs> so if we can take a step back, when did you buy your first motorbike? Because obviously they featured a lot in your life. Yes, yeah. I, 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 m- motorbikes, I think, once again, something I've thought about a lot, but I think it got into my blood through my brother, Tony, and my brother-in-law, Dave, who were right into their motorbikes and, and racing. And and I think that's what gave me the the thing about them. Mm. Um, so, And I also remember... Dave and my sister and Elizabeth giving me a book when I was 12 that was all about the Isle of Man, and I've still got it, and I read and looked at those pictures, and it was just like a kid in a candy store. Mm. And I think that was the thing that started to form you. Um, when I started work, um, I had to go to night tech out the boys' high school. Um, I didn't have a vehicle, um, so and mum and dad didn't never had a vehicle. Um, so I borrowed big brother's Tony's James one nine seven cc James. So that was my, even though it wasn't mine, that was my first bike. Um, about a, I wasn't very good at saving money, um, but um, about eight or nine months later, I bought my first bike. For £25, which was a 350 matchless English single-cylinder motorbike. And away and away we went. Mm-hmm. So three questions around motorbiking. Did you race them? Yes. Okay, we'll get into that. Yep. Second question, have you been to the Isle of Man to visit? No. And third question is, what bike do you own now? So you can answer, you can go into detail about all three of them. Well, I I, I always lo- wanted to go racing, whether it was cars or bikes, and yep. bikes seemed to be the one that was easier and cheaper, yep. um, so gravitated towards motorbikes. Um, raced right up, before we got married, I, I converted old English motorbikes, mainly matchlesses, and, and tried to race most of the time they broke down so you ended up by fixing them all week and then going out and wrecking them again at the weekend we spent a lot of time down at Jimmy Clark's place down on just as you turn off to Gemmels it's not Jimmy's now but Jimmy was one of those lovely men that would allow us to have a paddock and we'd go down there at the weekend and ride around on this paddock and on our bikes but then there would be race meetings in Timber and Dunedin that you'd get to and, and race. And in fact, the very first race meeting I went to in Timaru, I won it. Um, but then they banged me from the B grade to the A grade, so it took me a long time to win another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was just that was my life. Yeah. Um, other than my future wife, um, that was my life, yeah. absolutely. And all my money. Why I had no money, I all went in there. Dad always used to say, why are you spending all this money on these motorbikes? Why don't you save up and buy a nice wee car and, and do all those sensible things? But no, it didn't happen. You, you, you had the bug and you <laughs> went for it. Yeah, it did, yeah. it did. 
Did uh, you very much. I, I know one of the boys got to race overseas. Did you ever get to race overseas? No, I didn't. Just, yeah. I did race in Australia once yeah. um, on a, on a classic bike, but yeah. that was that was a team that went across there. It was pretty unofficial. Okay. Yeah, Any but, titles or what was your greatest achievement my, in New Zealand? Um, the one thing that I yeah in, in those days it was quite easy. Well, it was a heck of a lot easier to win a title because the titles were basically raced on a daily, uh, a one-day event, yep. rather than nowadays you have half a dozen events yeah. all spread through the country. Um, I won a couple of three um, scrambles in those days. Now it's called motocross um, titles. or, or um, And then we also used to have a grass track title and things like that. I got into the... Every year there was a, a major event uh, for motocross or scrambling called the North versus South, and it was the North Island versus South Island. It was held alternately in the North and the South Island. Yeah. I got into that team a couple of times, um, and and that was a goal um, and that sort of thing. But um, motorcycling, Damien, for me was a way to have a lot of fun. I was very, very serious at it until the shop came along. And then I think the first meeting I went to after I'd opened the shop, I had a crash and and then felt very sorry for myself on the Monday morning. I had to go to work because I was the only one there. Yeah. Um, and I realised that if you crash and hurt yourself, your business is going to go down. Yeah. Um, you just can't do this. So after that, I it just became a lot of fun. I still carried on racing, but you didn't get competitive and, and if it looked like a, um, a bad situation was going to happen or, or you were going to fight for something on a corner, you just backed off and that sort of thing. So yeah. so from that point on. Um, so my, my, my sons have done the... Winning, <laughs> so it's the next best thing. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. You provided. <laughs> yeah. So, Isle of Man one day? Isle of Man I'd love to go to. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it was on the bucket list last year yeah. until COVID came along. We had a lovely, lovely trip in 2019, and we were going back in 21 um, to do more of UK. I'm not – I don't particularly care if it's not race weekend, uh, race week. I just want to go and have a look at the place yeah. and look at the history of the yeah. place. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. And what bike do you own now? Um, I struggle to answer that because... There's um, multiple bikes. There's multiple <laughs> bikes. <laughs> I could sort of see that one coming, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, Which like, one oh, do you want? May, maybe you're fully retired from it, but no, yeah. it's got worse. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favourite? What's your one that's in the shed and you're like, yeah. Um, I think a matchless, 500 matchless, that, uh, and there's also a, a bike, another motocross bike. There's a... A Yamaha road race bike. There's a wee Boltaco road race yeah. bike. Um, things that you really, really wanted when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I've now got and I don't do anything with. <laughs> Weird. So you'll have to think um, twice about which rest home you're going to go to to try and fit all those. Oh, in. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Jan, Jan keeps saying to me, "You've got to do something about all this stuff." Yeah. And I say, oh, "I'm not going to worry about it. The boys can sort it out." She yeah. said, "It's not." Fear to leave it to the boys. I think they so I don't think, no, no, I, I don't think they'll mind the motorbike. Yeah, but no problem there. Yeah. yeah. Um, never got it. Uh, this is probably a silly question, but Harley Davidson or anything like that. No, not your no, thing. No. Not my thing. No. no. One of the things, Damien, I love about motorcycling. We all like something different. Yep. And that's great. Yep. Absolutely yep. great. But no, I've never been a Harley man. The best bike you've 
ever raced? Oh, Gary. Um, I think a early 1974 Honda CR250. They were ahead of their time at the time, um, and that was that was a great bike. Yeah, and that would have been quick. Sure. That was very quick. Yeah, quite a lot quicker than anything else at the yeah. time. Um, yeah, so no, that was the thing. But they've all been. Yeah, they all have their own yeah. idiosyncrasies yeah. and yeah. things like that. And so the boys got the passion. Yep. How far did they go with their career? Um, Blair, the oldest one, Blair, um, he was he worked hard at his motocross, loved his motocross right from day one. He ended up winning a New Zealand uh, intermediate title, which was the, the you, once again, you have a, a grading system. The first year in, you're an intermediate, and then you go to senior. Um, he won that title, but he and he worked hard at it, um, and and yeah, we had a lot of fun travelling around, mainly in the South Island, but um, the odd time to the North Island. He then got offered a job in 1996, late '96, with being a mechanic for Josh Coppins, who mm. who was a young fella from Motueka, um, a couple of years younger than Blair, but racing against Blair. Um, who'd gone to Europe and was racing in the world motocross season um, scene. Um, so Blair um, had got married to Rebecca, uh, to Beck, from, who came from Wackawite. Um, but they both went over there in 97, and they spent five years. They'd go over there in the March and come back in October, and um, which was the season in, in Europe, go all over Europe and, and to... Asia to America to Brazil to Argentine to meetings, um, and yeah, did that for five years, and that Amazing. would that yeah. was that was something really really special. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Something that I would have absolutely loved to have done, but um, having a son do it is the next best thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure, for sure. Then Brad, um, number two son, as I call him. Two years younger than Blair, he he was into his motocross and then had an accident and lost a kidney. <laughs> so then we decided, <laughs> thinking back on it now, a lot of people will shake their head, but decided that road racing was safer than motocross, so took up road racing <laughs> and was very good at it. Yeah. Um, he didn't quite... He won a couple of New Zealand titles, um, one-off events, like won a hill climb title and won a Grand Prix title at, at a one-off event, but came second and third in the New Zealand uh, meetings for a, for about three, four years um, in the 600 class. So, he yeah, he was... Yeah. Brad was... Brad didn't work at it very uh, um, as hard as Blair did, yeah. but he was a gifted rider, yeah. um, so he just relied on his ability and yeah. couldn't understand why you had to train, that's for sure. <laughs> that was, but like his father in yeah. that respect. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Leighton, Leighton really went a bit of a different path, um, got into his rugby, um, thought about motorbikes, but, but um, and this would take half the day to explain it all, but basically went down a different path until later in life. Yeah. He didn't do his... He um, would go out and have the odd ride, grab a bike out of the shop and go for the odd ride, but didn't really get into it like the other two. Typical youngest, doing his own thing. Oh, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yeah. And that was great. Yeah. Absolutely great. Yeah. That's for sure. 
Yeah. I think they just got into it because they saw what their silly old man had, yeah. was doing and so they just didn't have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you started business, um, obviously you bought out Colin. Yeah. And um, so where was that one based? That was out the north end yeah. where, where Andy's still in the shop okay. nowadays. Yeah. So still yeah. that same same yeah. place. Same building. Yeah. And then you've you've had a couple of locations since Yeah. Then. In 1980, we moved. We Colin owned the building out there, so we moved on from that after, uh, what, another six years, I think it was. Needed a bigger building. And we found this building down Ribble Street. Um, and so we went in 1980. We went down there, um, and that was that was cool. That was looking back on it now was it certainly wasn't a mistake because it was a good building. But uh, the profile stuck down a wee side street, and and the building was tucked in back a wee bit. You didn't have that main street profile, mm. um, but yeah, it did well. Did well. Um, we survived the. The droughts, once again, North Otago's been off and on through these droughts, um, and we had that early 80s um, period down there. Um, and I you know, I do wonder how we did survive it in lots of ways, but at the time we just worked harder and longer. But I often say to people, you know, in those early days we had Roger Douglas and, and Muldoon going and... and the um, interest rates were 20-something percent and we had the subsidies disappearing off the farmers, plus we had a drought. Mm. So, you know, our bike sales just crashed. But we survived on on parts and, and workshop work and and, uh, and in those days there was only two of us. Yeah. Um, so we, we survived and someone said to me once, if you could survive through the 80s, you can survive anything and dealing with the farmers, because the farmers certainly went through some really hard times yeah. in, in that period, yeah. that's for sure. And was that the Honda dealership you had there? Always had Honda, Gary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. when we came back, uh, when we opened up, we had Honda. We had Yamaha for a while, but and then we even had Suzuki as well for a while. Um, and through circumstances, Honda had always well, bought in a... A policy that they wanted mono dealers. They wouldn't allow Honda dealers to have anything else. And, mm. and we were the last one in New Zealand to change in Yamaha, but we were selling 80% of our bikes we were selling were Hondas. Um, so it wasn't a hard decision. So when we moved to Ribble Street, we went totally mono Honda. Mm. Um, we always had, uh, through working in Timaroon with Mac, we always had still. Of German chainsaws, and and uh, and we're still that's morphed into a huge part of our business nowadays. Yeah, um, and that that's always been there. Um, so it's it's been a the the still part of our business. I often say is that other part of the business that other people want another brand of motorbikes. We had that mm. in, in the still product. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and. Um then you moved out the north end again. Moved out the north end in two thousand. High profile site. Yes, yeah. Well, we'd really it, it, that really started started about quarter to twelve one Saturday morning when we were getting ready to close up, and I turned around and said to Brad, "This place is starting to annoy me because the bikes were jammed in. We had so many bikes jammed in, yeah. you couldn't see any." Um, and um, and Brad. Turned around and said to me, well, I've just been thinking the same. So I said, right, we've got to do something about that. And Blair, 
had joined the business at that stage. Um, and Brad, no, Brad was working there too at that stage. Um, Blair joined right from school um, and, and, and in about 90, 1990, I think it was, when he left school. Brad went and did a few other things and um, worked here and worked there. And then while Blair was away overseas in 98 or 99, Brad came to work because um, we were just starting to get busier and needing someone else. So it was uh, an opportunity to bring Brad on. So anyway, we all of us on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday after that, we thought, right, well, let's go for a drive. We'll all go for a drive and try to find a couple of buildings that would suit around the place that we could maybe go and talk to or see if we can get. Um, but before we got a chance to do that, uh, Brad was going out in the country one day and he rang to say that there's a for lease sign on the corner of the of Les McCulloch's building, which is where we are now. Yeah. Knowing Les, and, and he had played rugby with my big brother Jeff, so I knew him quite well, and he was a South Hill boy. <laughs> um, and so I rang him, and yeah, that started a process of us getting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, yeah, great. Uh, we couldn't have turned it. Once again, fallen on my feet. Yeah. <laughs> Worked out very, very well. Yeah, uh, no, I certainly sure. vaguely recall the you know opening there, and it was mm. just... You, you couldn't have wished for a better sign. No, no. And no more half an hour just trying to get one motorbike out of the middle oh, of everything yeah. else to, and, to show and, someone. And the best thing about out there is is that actually out the back we've got a big backyard that farmers can back a trailer into a truck into and mm. offload and easy. It's just, yeah, it's just so much better. How yeah. many staff nowadays? 13. 13. Yeah. yeah. Um, 12, 13. I, think. I heard you got to wake that young guy Brody up a few times. Oh. Is that true? That really nods off. Or? No, 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 no. He's no, a good man. No, he's a great. Oh, man. he's a great. Just what I heard. Just yeah, what I heard. No, no, yeah. No, no, yeah. No, no, we were very lucky in finding him. Yeah. Um, or he found us. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. great, no, great. Yeah. Very enthusiastic yeah. and uh, no great lead. Like all our staff, I've yeah. got to say that. We've yeah. been so, so lucky, and it's great. So you and Jan own the business, but obviously the boys bought in along the way. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, I don't know, Gary, the, quite a few years ago we bought them in as shareholders. I, I don't think it matters uh, at all. In fact, um I remember saying to the accountant at one stage, yeah, I don't have a problem doing this, but it won't matter if we give the whole lot to them. It, it's not going to alter any any difference, mm. make any difference. Um, and and uh, we've got to start thinking about signing the whole lot over, and I'm, that's another thing that we've got to do at some stage because it's at some stage in our lives. Um, but, it, yeah, no, it's this, it's... The, the whole thing has just evolved. Um, a lot of people look at me and say, how the heck can you work with your sons and how can you do this and how can you make this work? This is just not possible how you can have three sons doing this and doing that. Well, I have not, not, I have not got an answer. It's just it's normal for us. Yeah. Um, it's just And it's just evolved into it. Yeah, they have their wee moments, but... 
I think what it has evolved into is the fact that each of the boys have their own wee area um, and of responsibility. And I remember years ago, the first time I, Jan and I went away for a holiday, um, Leighton walked up to Blair and said, there's the line on the on the concrete there. This is my side. That's your side, <laughs> and and that's what's evolved from there. Um, that's the thing, and, and and yeah, they just they seem to make it work. Yep. So that's the motorbike side, and that's the still side, is it? Is no, that, that was slash? that was. I think that was uh, with Blair. Blair runs the parts in the workshop, yep. and Leighton's the salesman. Right. Um, he's our. Uh, I won't swear, but he's our. Um, BS salesman <laughs> uh, and loves it and does a very good job. He's yeah. he's he's a great. He's got a great marketing brain on him. Where the heck that comes from? I got no idea because he's. I'm <laughs> sure he got his communication gift from his dad, though. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Talk the hind leg off a donkey, I reckon. Yeah. I often say, and Jan doesn't like me saying it, but I'll say it, say it for the record that Blair is a heck of a lot better mechanic than I was. Leighton is a lot better salesman than I was, and Brad just fits in the middle somewhere and and does a lot better job than I do. do. So it's yeah, it's it's something that we're awfully awfully proud of uh, where we've evolved to. So yeah. and no doubt you've been the you know one of the the major guidances for their life. Yeah, so, so well done. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on it, Gary, yes, I, I, um, it didn't set out to be that way, but yeah. nowadays I do. I do the cash flows and the budgets and the profit losses accounts because I quite enjoy doing that, and I never got time to do that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and uh, but years ago, I realised when we went out there, the bigger they are, the harder you fall. So we better start organising ourselves. But mm. we've got a we've built up a very very good uh, computer program, and and we get some great monthly. Yeah. answers out of that and I collate all that and do this and then just shove it under their nose and I don't know if they look at it <laughs> but it gives us our trends yeah. so they still haven't let you retire yet anyway no and I don't want to no I don't want to they yeah. they, they put up with me yeah. I go out most days and I I look at the rubbish bins and I'll clean the rubbish bins out and I'll lux the floor sweep the floor clean this and do that and make the I get a free cup of coffee out yeah. of it all every morning, so, you know, <laughs> oh, don't tell the tax man. <laughs> so there must be a few clients you've had over the years that still come in and ask for you, like they walk past the boys it, and say, where's Rick? Or it, it's No, it's getting less yes, now. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is a thing that we had all had to get used to. I remember Blair saying to me one day, um, a guy had come into him and said, oh, is Rick here? Yeah. And, and Blair came out the back and got me and... I walked out and the guy wanted to buy a spark plug. Yeah. Um, and Blair got annoyed with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he said, Why? Well, I, I could have given him that spark plug. And I said, Oh, but he obviously wanted to deal off yeah. me. Yeah. Well, about 20 years later, the same, not the same guy, but someone else came in and asked for Blair. Yeah. <laughs> who wanted to buy a spark plug. <laughs> so it's a personality yeah. thing. Yeah, and right. and that's the thing. I miss a lot. We're, I'm very, very proud to say that. The first motorbike ever sold was the dear old Sid Hurst, who's since passed on, but we still deal with Russell, his son, mm. after all these years. And there's there's quite a few other farms out the farmers out there that we're dealing the third generation. Yeah. And and I'm very, very proud of that. Mm. That's for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Just want to change tack a wee bit now. So one of the things you wrote about in your book was around depression. Mm-hmm. So is that something we could possibly touch on today? Yep, and just yep. open that up. Just yeah, for... it's, 
Damien, it's such a such an important subject, yeah. and uh, yeah, it started with me. <laughs> it started with me when uh, yeah, well, when Jan went away with a bunch of girls to see the Phantom of the Opera in in, in Melbourne. Yeah. And and I got a bit bitter and twisted while she was away, that thinking that this was the end of our marriage and this was the end of that, and just wound myself up more and more and more. Mm. Um, and so after that, uh, when she came home and we talked and uh, this and that, but even before that, I remember one day um, a guy had come in and looked at a, a certain type of motorbike, and and then. Over the weekend, I saw him riding one, and they were hard to get at that stage, and that particular model. And I saw him riding one, and I thought, oh, hell, that man, he's obviously gone to Dunedin and bought one. Mm-hmm. That was what really stuck in my mind. I thought, why would he do that? And I wound myself up, up and up and up mm-hmm. and up. The Monday morning, that guy came in and said, oh, I had a ride on so-and-so's motorbike over the weekend. I want to buy one. Uh-huh. And that's what he was doing. He was yeah. riding his French one. And, mm-hmm. you know, how how it wound me up mm-hmm. and getting so upset. And that's, you know, I didn't think anything of that. But you waking up in the middle of the night worrying about paying the accounts um, about the 12th or 13th of the month and you'd think, oh, I'm not going to have enough money to pay the accounts and I'm going to have this and have that and, oh, I'm going broke and I'm doing this I'm doing that. And and then it always worked out because people paid you on the 20th and it, it just always worked out. But so obviously I've had those stupid thoughts that yep. I'm sure a lot of people do have. Um, but then the final straw was, as I say, when Jan went away. But So I got, uh, she jacked me up with a wee girl in Dunedin to have a few talks to, which was really an eye-opener. Um the first thing she said to me, Rick, this is very common. Yeah. Um, so I th- that made me feel so much better. Um, so, you know, I had a few sessions with her and it sort of came right and I sort of tried to get my head around it. But then it was still there. Um, and then we, some friends wanted us to go on a, in 2017, I think it was, wanted us to go on a trip Um that started in Vienna and ended up in Dubai on, on a cruise. And I felt I couldn't do it. Um, I felt so anxious. And I and I think the, you know, that part of the world, um, the Middle East and all those sort of things, and I kept thinking to myself, I don't care about me, but how am I going to look after Jan if something goes wrong um, as you're getting older? So I sort of... I had to say no, um, that I couldn't do it. But then, of course, I had to say why mm. I couldn't do it. So that was that was my um, coming out. Yeah. Um, so um, so from that point, I've had no trouble talking about your thoughts and, yeah. and things that people go through. Um, then, once again, we found this man, Graham, in Timaru, um, and he was a... He was a brilliant man, and uh, the first session I had with him, he said, oh, I wished I'd known that you wanted on wanted to go on this trip because he said, I could have got you there. Yeah. He said, I could have worked at you, but he only could do... He was away on a, <coughs> excuse me, a trip the next week, um, 
that he rode a push bike from Paris to Istanbul. <laughs> so, so if he could have done that, um, I kept thinking, why can't I do mine? But anyway, um, I had a few sessions with him, and he was he was great. And one of the things that he said, um, you know, you're suffering from anxiety and being anxious, and he said, do you think at the start of a rugby test, all the All Blacks are sitting huddled around before they run out in the field. Do you think they're feeling anxious and 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 suffering from anxiety? And I said, yeah, of course they are. And he said, yeah, what happens when they get out on the field? I said, it all disappears. Mm. He said, you will do the same. When you get in that plane, it'll disappear. Um, so there was lots of advice from mm. him that helped me through that sort of thing. But I think... The most important thing anybody can do is talk. Yeah, I think that's a great that's, message because, yeah, you. Look, I think a lot of people look at you, think here's one of life's optimists, here's one of life's successful people, you know, successful family, mm. you know, and and not understand and you know people who do suffer from some of these things, looking at successful people and thinking they don't have the trouble I've got. Mm. So actually sharing that I think is really helpful, mm. really powerful too, you know. Thank yeah, you for it that. is. And, and, and Gary, it's one of the things that, that really annoys me is the fact that you've, boy, I look, at, I look in the mirror. I'm a great one to look in the mirror and, and, and wind myself up but, but say, you know, you've got everything going for you. You've got a lovely wife. You've got a lovely home. You've got a lovely business. You've got a lovely town. You've got everything's perfect for you. Yeah. If you had said to myself 50 years ago, this is where you're going to end up, I would have laughed like hell. But, you know, you still have these crazy, crazy thoughts. Um, And I I think what I've learnt to do is try to push them away. I still have them, but, um, you know, so it is. And and I've no doubt that I'm not the only one in the world that's like this. It's very common as, as time's gone on. So. But you're like Gary saying, you know, people look at you and wouldn't see that. So it's important mm. someone, of you know, of, in the community like yourself saying, actually, no, I have struggles. Oh, yeah. And so the most important thing is reach out or share with someone. That's a good start. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then resources, I know... Um, you mentioned um, earlier on today we're chatting John Kerwin's book or things yes. like that. Um, yes. That helped you understand more about yep. how you worked or what others were. I think it, I think it's just seeing what you say there is, yeah. is you look at someone, and I can look at you two mm-hmm. and thinking, oh, yeah, everything's rosy in the garden and, and perfect. But uh, I've no doubt yeah. you have your times. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things that also when I <laughs> so-called came out, um, you, you know, if – some people don't want to talk about it. Yeah. So move on and find someone. I've I've got a couple of very close friends that have been very good. I've also had some close friends and um, and even family who, uh, you know, you, you, they 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 don't want they don't say they they don't want to talk about it, um, but you can see it in their eyes. They're just quite happy to change the subject and yeah. move on to something else. So if you don't. If it's the first person you go to talk about, you can see yeah. it that they don't want to or can't. Yeah, find someone who can. Yeah, and just keep. Might take you five, six times. Who cares? Yeah, uh, and don't and don't be. Don't worry about people laughing at you. I think that's something that I've suffered through all the all my whole life. Haven't had a go at a lot of things. Yeah, because I've been scared of uh, people standing back and laughing. Yeah, you know, um, even even to the fact of 
getting getting up at a Bible class dance and 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 going and asking a girl for a dance that would have been a huge no no because because if she said no people would I'd be expecting everyone to turn around and laugh at you yeah well they don't they don't care no. <laughs> you know yeah we do overthink these things don't we we do yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and and overthinking Gary that's a very good thing I think that's what we all are inclined to do is overthink yeah um, you know. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for um, coming in today and sharing. And um, I just felt like we probably could talk for another two hours. You just have a lot of wisdom and you have a lot of life stories there that are really good. (laughs) But we possibly save them for another time. What do you think, Gary? Yeah. No, it's been great. And, you know, we're just clicking on to an hour. Um, Luckily, by the time we edit out Damien's bad jokes, it'll take (laughs) it down to half an hour. So we'll be fine. But I do have one question for you to finish with, because I like to finish with a tricky question, and you won't know where this has come from. Tell me about playing the guitar. Oh. <laughs> hey, you didn't know I knew that one, did no, you? No, no. Yeah. I love my guitar music. Um, always have done. Yeah. Um, and about, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, I was walking around the streets of Christchurch, and um, I've always had a guitar but yeah. never played it. Um, yeah, played it, but not played it. Um, and I walked into this music shop, and up on this wall was about 20 Fender Stratocaster guitars, and I thought, you're a long time dead, Rick. Yeah. So the guy came across to serve me, and I said, I want that one, the red one like Hank Marvin used to have. Yeah. And that was it. I got it home. Jan said to me, well, if you're going to buy that, and it was quite a few, Bob, <laughs> Um, she said, if you're spending all that money, you're going to have to learn it. So she got me in with Ben Blair, um, and I would well, I spent four or five years every week going to Ben, and we would have a lot of fun, and he taught me lots of things. COVID came along and messed it all up, but, um, but yeah, I, I love it. Love it. So, so we can expect this New Year's Eve, the family round, you pull that out and you maybe have a few sing-alongs. What's your go-to song? No, no. I will not no. do that. Just for you. Uh, just for me. Okay. Uh, I, I even struggle, Damien, to, to do it when Jan's in the house. So right. when she's away, I'll crank it up. And okay. I usually, I love my blues. I yep. usually put a backing blues on and then just... Jam away. But that's good. That's for you. That's, that's what you mine. do for that's you it. and yep. no one's around. Yep. Very good. Yep. yep. And it more than likely sounds horrible. No, I'm thumbing through the book trying to find any reference to guitars. I can't see any. It won't be in that book. <laughs> no, that, I think there's some pictures in there somewhere okay. at the end of my thing yeah. somewhere of, of them. Well, I'll let you. I'll leave you to scratch here to figure out where I got that from. <laughs> but you know I haven't looked at that book yet. Gary's grabbed it. <laughs> yeah. So you might be able to figure it out, but I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, that's okay. fine. That's and, fine. Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you for coming in. Thanks for sharing with us today. And thank you for being honest and real. Um, no, just it wasn't it's, too long ago men, you know, our age or, you know, just wouldn't talk about mm, mental health or struggles with anxiety, anything like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there'll be someone here listening today that'll hear that and you probably, you may have helped someone. I certainly hope so. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, guys. Yeah. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's yeah. been it's been. Quite enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> well, it has been for us, and yeah. thank, thank you very much for that and, and for, for sharing all of the stories. It's been great. Yeah, thanks Lovely. for coming in. Thank you. Oh, Gary? Another interesting one. 
Um, I just love the way what he's passed on to his family and his children, and um, he's got a real key there. He, he, obviously, him and Jan have done well at creating a culture in their family where you know they stay, they be part of the community, then they carry on. So mm. I think he's got some great tips there as well. Just even raising children and you know investing in the community and things like that is, is good. He's a good man to learn from. Yeah, yeah, no, some great stories, and um, you know, it, I think a lot of a lot of us want to leave a great legacy, and yeah, um, yeah, you know, family is yeah. is an important one of that people can leave. Yeah, so yeah, it's been great, and, and you know, the interactions I've had with with the kids have been really good, really positive. Want to do things for community, so yeah, yeah, it's good. No, it's fantastic. Oh well, you enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next week. Thanks very much. All right, bye. Bye.